Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. From me, O Lord, let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. They're more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I'm poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help, my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my God, before we study this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into this song that you had David uh, pen, seems so applicable as I've studied it, Uh, so inspiring, so encouraging, giving us a pattern, giving us a perfect model of what to do when we find ourselves in places of fear. I pray that we'd understand what you have for us in this psalm, uh, that your Holy Spirit would uh, break out truth. And Lord, help us to see that when we're in places where our legs are shaking, our knees are wavering, our heart is failing, we just have to look back and see how you've handled things in the past, to see how you've acted in the past. We just have to look up to see who you are And Lord, then I I really believe we'll have fuel to believe what you've promised, an unchanging God, a God who's um, always faithful, steadfast, like a rock. Lord, I pray that's what would happen tonight, that we would move from fear to faith and that we would stay there uh, through application of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Verses 1 through 10, David gives praise. David gives praise for God's past, past grace. The first thing he talks about is powerful works. In verse 1, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. David begins here, what's a testimony? Verses 1 to 10 are a testimony of what God has done in the past for David. But he starts out by remembering, uh, I waited patiently. I trusted God back then. Things were crazy back then. What did I do? I waited patiently for the Lord. Did it work out? That's what he's going to tell us. Yeah, it worked out. He, he, he inclined his ear to me. He, he heard my cry. David means this. When I was in trouble before, I didn't take matters into my own hands. I didn't do that. Um, I didn't uh, try to source my help or my hope in, in uh, anything else but the Lord. That's what he says in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me. He heard my cry. When David did that, what was God's response? When David waited patiently for God, when he didn't take matters into his own hands, when he didn't go, well, you're not acting quick enough, God. Let me do this. When he did that, what did God do? Well, he listened. He heard. 
We got what's called an anthropomorphism, real big, long, fancy word for us attributing to God human actions. And what David's saying is God did this when David prayed. He bent down and he listened. I have to do that. Too many loud booms in the army, right? So when Krista talks to me and or if I'm trying to hear something, I'll put this side out. It's a little better than that side. And um, this is what he says God does when he prays. He bends down his ear from the throne room of heaven, and he hears. But he does so much more than hear. Verse 2. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of miry clay, set my feet on a rock, and established my goings. Right, Daphne? Verse (laughs) 2. Daphne preached this one on Facebook today. She did a good job. Um, Verse 2. Yeah, it's because he didn't just hear. He didn't just listen. He acted. That's what God does in response to our faith. Uh, he acts here. He, David says he saves. He's a, he's a deliverer. He's a God who acts. And um, that happens when we cry to him. When, we are, when our response is faith, well, the result is God acting on our behalf. Now, verses 3 and 4. He's put a new song in my mouth, even praise to God. Many shall see and fear shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. Doesn't respect the proud nor turn aside, or, or nor such as turn aside to lies. He doesn't uh, seek help outside of God. But, but what verse 3 is saying, the, the result of David's total trust, verse 1, in God, the result of God's definite deliverance in verse 2 is this eruption of praise in David's life. That's what ours should be too. He's going to talk about that in a, in a moment here in, in verses that, that close out this first section of verses 1 through 10. But do you see what David says? God gave me because he, I, I prayed. I had faith. God came through. And so he's given me a new song, right? It's good to have a new song. I like old songs. Can't wait till Sunday night. I told Karen, is she ready? Get her fingers ready because she's going to be, y'all give us a lot of songs, right? So pray for Tommy. He's doing a good job, but he's got, y'all give us a lot of songs. I like old songs. I like new songs. He's put a new song in David's heart. Check this out. Even praise, praise to God. I like this part. He says, it's a song other people hear and even what? They see it. You ever seen a song? Well, actually we have. We're on number 40 that we've seen because we don't know what the, we don't know the composition to this. And sometimes it will tell us like to play on this instrument that we don't use anymore, this instrument, or to the tune of, we don't know the music here. So we've been seeing, we've been seeing songs, new songs. And that, that's what David says. He's given me a new song. You've come and you've delivered me and, and, and I want others to see it. Do other people see the song that God gave you? When, he, when you prayed to him and he delivered you, when you had faith and God came through, uh, David's whole life here is a testimony and it's a song that, that points others to do what? Many shall see it in fear. Help them get out of a place of fear by replacing their fear. I thought we weren't supposed to be in fear. No, this is a fear. This is a new fear, a good fear, a fear of God, a, a joyful, willful submission to God's will. So many will see it and fear. That's the way they're going to fear. They're not going to fear other things. Or they're not going to fear circumstances. They're going to fear God and God alone. They're going to trust God. That's what he says, and shall trust in the Lord. Because of our song. Because of the result of what we, we pray to God. We have faith in God. God delivers. And this is what we do. We praise. We point people 
to our Savior and to our Deliverer. This is exactly what we've experienced for 40 chapters now. You and I studying together David's testimony on, on number 40. Now, David's testimony of his trust in the Lord and God's deliverance of him. What he experienced, the salvation he experienced from an always good God, from an all-powerful God. And the whole point of this exercise, why we're doing this on Wednesday night, is that you and I, that we, we see David's song. And we go, you know what? He's going to do it for me too. I, I can put my faith in him. Uh, verse 5. Many, O Lord, are thy wonderful works which you've done, and the thoughts which are to us where they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I declare and I speak of them, they're more than can be numbered. And so this is the essential look back. If you're going to have faith in what God's promised to do for you tomorrow, five years, ten years, for eternity, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you, there's going to be times in your life, there's going to be days of doubt. And when you get there, you need to look back. This is what David's doing here in verses 1 to 10. He's saying many, got to remember, many are your wonderful works. This wasn't like a one-time thing that I waited patiently. No, this has been routine, and I've seen it in David's life and in the lives. So for 40 chapters now, we've seen this. What about other, other faithful people in God's work? Can you think of Abraham and Noah and Moses? And I don't have to go through Hebrews 11, right? But that's kind of the idea we look at David's life and we say, yes, God came through. And we look at Noah and Abraham and Moses and Peter and Paul. And we see his faithfulness to his people in the Old Testament. And we see his faithfulness to the church in the New Testament. And we know that he's still faithful to Dublin First Baptist Church in September 9th, 2020. Aren't you glad for that? Same God, still faithful. This is why it's so essential, this look back, because it's that key activity, that focusing on the facts. Those are facts that help us move from fear and faith for right now in the present and for tomorrow. Vital component if we're going to live in, in beautiful faith. When the works of God seem to be veiled. Have you ever been there? I have. Like, I know this is true, but right now I'm not seeing it because fear or the circumstances causing fear, it, that's in my face. It's very tangible. It's very painful. I'm not real comfortable. And so many are thy works, O Lord. I know it, but it seems like they're veiled right now. They seem to be minimal. And my, my fear, my, the circumstances causing it seem to be greater than, than your many works. David reminds us here in verse 5, we're not looking at things correctly. <laughs> We're not seeing things. Our appraisal of the facts is not just right. He says, no, many, many are your works, O Lord. We have to remind ourselves of that too. David's reminding it. God's reminding us of that tonight. Many are your wonderful works. In fact, there's so many, I can't even count them. I think if we're honest, we could do that. We could just sit here and go, you've done this, and you've done this, and you've done this, and they're innumerable. They really are when we get down to it, what God has done for us. The moment we wake up, do you thank the Lord? You know, it would have been enough if you saved me. You gave me another day. It would have been enough come 9 o'clock if you saved me and gave another day. But here I am at work. It would have been enough that you saved me and you gave me another day to live. I'm at work, but you give me a great family. It would have been enough. You can keep going, right? You can just, many are your works, God. And when we see God like that, we're going to have 
our proper worship. That's a life that experiences this, these works of God. They're going to worship God how God wants to be worshiped. In verse 6, he says, sacrifice an offering you didn't desire. Jump down to the bottom of that verse. Burn offering, sin offering you have not required. And so this psalm's genre is the first part, praise. It's a praise psalm. Now the second, second part we'll get in verse 10. That's, it's a petition. It goes from praise to, to a petition, a prayer request of, of David. There's also some messianic things here. And I say that because verses 6 through 8 are quoted in Hebrews 10, verses 5 through 9, um, in reference to Jesus. All right, so the next uh, few verses here, 6, 7, and 8, they refer to David? Yeah. First application is to David, but for God to include them in Hebrews uh, 10, 5 through 9, they also point to Jesus Christ. So uh, here's what David says in verse 6. You don't desire sacrifice and offering. Well, wait a minute, God. Why did you command them to do it? (laughs) You don't require that. Well, why did you command them to do it? And so what David's telling us here is this. God instituted that Old Testament system of sacrifices and, you know, all Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all those laws that, praise the Lord, we don't have to because I know y'all like shrimp and y'all like pork barbecue. But he instituted those sacrifices and that system of worship because he was, they were all pointing. They were pointing to one coming sacrifice that would be full and final. There wouldn't have to be any more of those. They were pointing to Jesus Christ. See, they were looking for a Messiah who was coming, and he did come. We're studying that in Mark. We, we look for a Messiah who came, and we see him in Jesus. We look for a Messiah who's coming again. We see him in Jesus. But for David and for uh, Old Testament saints, the, the atonement that they were anticipating and, and looking in faith to, saved by faith, the same way you and I are, they're looking to the coming Messiah for faith. That is symbolized in these Old Testament sacrifices. So yeah, God wanted them to do it. But what David's saying here, you don't want just mere outward religious ritual. He tells that over and over. The prophets declare that. You know, you think you're right with God because you're doing this and you're crossing off all the things I've told you to do, but you've totally missed it because your heart's not in it. You honor me with your lips. Your heart is far from me. And David recognizes that here. Uh, he says in the middle of verse 6, mine ears has that open. I mean, what is the whole purpose of these sacrifices? Just mere outward religious ritual? Just going to church? Being involved here? Making sure I get my tithe? I mean, this is the New Testament parallels to this. And he says, you know, no, that's not what you want in sacrifice. Think back on Abraham and Isaac. Well, yeah, can you imagine what God asked Abraham to do on Mount Moriah there? Sacrifice his son. Why? Why did he do that? What did, who did God really want? Did he want Isaac? He wanted Abraham, right? It was a test. <laughs> and Abraham passed it. Abraham recognized, you know what, you didn't want Isaac, you, you wanted me. And this is what David's saying here. Look at verse 7, he says, lo, I come. Okay, God, I get it. You, you have got me, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written for me. I now understand that all of these religious rituals, all of these laws, they're, they're not to restrict me, they're not to bind me, they're actually for my good. It's a blessing to me. That's what he's saying. It's in the volume of the book, it's written to me, and I'm yours, God. Not just outward religious ritual, I'm all yours, 100%. You have me. There's also the, that messianic part where this applies to Jesus Christ. Isn't that what he did? Lo, I come. 
Jesus came. That's the gospel message we've learned in Mark. Jesus came. Jesus came. He came to earth for us. We have a God who came down for us. The one thing that separates our faith from every other faith, God didn't just send a prophet. He sent himself. God himself came down. That's how badly we're messed up. We'll get there in a minute too. But Jesus says, lo, I come. Verse 7, and in your book it's written to me. Isn't it written to him? Genesis to Revelation. Who, who is this about? It's about Jesus Christ. We, we see him in Genesis 3.15. The first gospel is in Genesis 3.15. Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This whole thing's about him. History is all about him. It's his story. So yeah, verse 7 applies to David for sure. It applies to Jesus Christ. But this is, this is where it is in David and, and for Jesus in verse 8. He says, I delight to do thy will, O God. It's no more uh, outward religious ritual. No, I delight to do it. It's no more just duty. I delight to do thy will, O God. Your laws, it's, it's within my heart. It's not any longer just a bunch of things I got to do and not do and do and not do. No, I want to do it. It's my delight now. It's, it's in my heart. Verses 9 through 10. I've preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I've not refrained my lips, Lord, you know. I've not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I've declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. David's saying here, look, proper worship always includes public worship. Yes, Jesus told us to pray. And when we pray, most of the time, especially privately, we should go in our closet. We don't need to announce it to everybody we're praying. There's time for public corporate prayer. We see that in the New Testament. But Jesus said, yes, privately. Fasting, privately. Should, those are worship. Daily Bible study, privately. You can even sing privately. I sing a lot privately. And you, you ought to be thankful for that. Right? And so... Yeah, privately stuff. But there's public worship that needs to happen too. God's made us for community and he wants us to worship in community. And there are people right here that need to hear, many are your works, O Lord. Many are your works, O Lord, my God. I can't be counted because right now that truth, which they know, that truth is veiled to them. There's pain in their life. There's a struggle. There might be sin in their life. But they need to hear this. They need to hear you and I testify. They need to hear David testify of this right here. When David went to fight Goliath, right? You know, he picked up the stones. And right before he's going to sling them, he does something. He prays, right? He prays. And you know what his prayer is? God, help me do this. (laughs) God, this is yours. And I want to do this so that they know there is a God in Israel. Man, that's been my prayer for Mr. Lynn. God, heal him, (laughs) because I want his family, and I want this church to know that there's a God in Israel. That's my prayer for for Johnny, for Billy Ray, for Dan. Lord, heal him, because I want people to know that there is still a God in Israel. That's why our public praise is supposed to tell people. When we sing tonight, when we just sang Cornerstone and Love Lifted Me, when we're going to sing two other songs later tonight, we're doing this not for entertainment. We're doing it to worship God, but to tell each other. There's still a God in Israel. And if you're veiled, sometimes we are. We come in here with veils because we're going through a difficult time. We know, we know verse 5. We know that God's works are many. I just can't see it right now. And this is what we're doing. We're helping each other. Haven't you and I need, I don't know about you, I've needed this public testimony 40 different times so far. I've needed it. I've needed it. I'm thankful for it. God desires praise. God's designed our public praise. Uh, He wants it to be a September 9th, 2020 reinforcement that yes, uh, there is still a God in Israel. Now David transitions. 
verse 11. A lot of times we'll say, wow, this is a big shift in tone. I don't know that it's that so much. He's just going from praise to prayer. A lot of times that's what I'll do when I'm praying to God. I start out praising God, and then I shift to prayer, and now he's praying. David's just spent 10 verses focusing on how God uh, has uh, impacted his life. He's given grace to him in the past. I want you to look at it this way. It's been a really helpful object lesson for me. David has, in in the last 10 verses, David's been looking back at this big lake or a reservoir. I'll call it a reservoir because it's being filled by a river. And David's looking back on that and he's noticing this. It keeps getting deeper because that's God's grace. How God's grace has impacted his life in the past. Who God is and everything God's done. And David is looking back there because he needs to. Because he's not so sure that that water is going to keep coming. But you look back there and you go, man, it's just got deeper and deeper and deeper over time. It doesn't ever drain. In fact, it keeps filling up. And wow, I'm standing in the, the river that's filling it up right now. And it's this huge waterfall that doesn't end. It's inexhaustible. And this is what David's doing. He's saying, look back there so you have faith to look up and see God's grace. So that you have, you know, we should be thank, thanking God. Verses 1 and 10, there's no doubt that it's about gratitude. We ought to thank God for what he's done in the past. But it's also about us having uh, fuel for our faith to believe God, his grace is going to keep coming. Faith in God's future grace. That's what faith is. And, and first of all, from, from iniquity. So he's, here's a prayer for God's future grace. First of all, uh, from iniquity. He's asking God to be gracious in, in the iniquity that David is experiencing. Just a synonym for sin, kind of. Kind of. Iniquity has a, a, more, a little different component. It includes guilt. Right? So it's not just sin, but the guilt that comes uh, from sin. And so uh, here in verse 10. Uh, verse 11, he says, Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness, that's, that's the steadfast covenant love that our whole relationship is based on, grace, and, and your truth continually preserve me. May they do it in the future, tomorrow and, and five years from now and a hundred years from now and for eternity. Help me depend on how you always have been. Help me depend on who you are and what you have done. Help, help me depend on who you've promised to be based on that. Saying, I need to know tomorrow. I need to know your tender mercies today. I need to know them tomorrow. Aren't you glad that God's already promised you that? Lamentations 3, right? Lamentations is a sad book. It's the name of the book, Lamentations, right? But in chapter 3, Jeremiah says, when I call this to mind, I have hope that it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Like I should have woke up this morning and been consumed. No, his mercies are new, Every morning. So David's just praying God's word right here, saying, let your tender mercies, uh, don't hold, withhold them from me. Let them continually preserve me. Let your truth continually preserve me. Verse 12, sin, sin is the first thing David prays that God's grace would address, that he would be saved from. Verse 12, for innumerable evils have compassed me about. I'm surrounded by innumerable evils. What are they? Mine iniquities my iniquities have taken hold of me. Do you ever feel like sin takes a hold of you sometimes? That's what he's saying. Not just sin, but sin and guilt. I feel like I'm in bondage to it. You know how bad it is? I can't even look up. You ever been there? I can't even look up. I can. I don't want to because I know who's up. <laughs> and I know what I've done against him. See, Satan knows. He knows. That's why he loves to get you down in sin. And we, like Adam and Eve, this is what we do. Let me go hide. Maybe he won't see me. 
let me sew some fig leaves together and camouflage. God's given us grace if we just turn to him. But Satan knows the longer he can keep you down there, you're not going to be powerful for Christ. You're not going to be restored to relationship with Christ. You're not going to be glorifying Christ. So this is where David, he's confessing sin here in verses 12 and 13, but he says, yeah, my iniquities have taken hold of me. I'm not even able to look up. My iniquities are more than the hairs of my head. My guilt is more than the hairs of my head. And uh, man, doesn't that kind of ring a bell back to verse 5? What else did he say was many? Innumerable. <laughs> Your wonderful works, O Lord. Right? But when we're in sin, all we can see is our sin. It's a veil. It's an obstacle. It's an obstruction to us realizing God's grace. You know, if we can remember how sin makes us feel, like if we could grab verse 12 and every time Satan would tempt us, we could go, no, because I remember last time. This is what happens every single time. You promised me happiness and joy. This is what happens every single time. I think we'd have a, a lot an easier time not yielding to temptation. It's a rough verse 12, but I'm so glad it's here because you know what? David's not wrong. He can't look up right now because guilt and sin are, are, are holding him down. And yet, you know what? His, his sin is great and his guilt is great. We cannot minimize sin. We got enough churches doing that. We're not going to minimize sin. We're going to say what God's word says about sin. Our sin and our guilt, they are great. They are more than the hairs of our head. And here's the good thing. So they're so great that the only remedy, the only way we could fix this is, well, we can't fix it. God had to. Jesus Christ had to die. Only God could redeem us from verse 12. Having sin and guilt more than the hairs of my head, only God could do that. God had to crush God Pouring out on the innocent Savior, Jesus Christ, the wrath that was due to me and to you um, for our great sin and guilt, because it is great. But that's the beauty of the cross and Calvary and the message of the gospel, because you know what? Our sin was great. Do you know what's greater? His mercy, his grace. His grace is greater. I mean, that should show you how great and how powerful the blood of Jesus Christ is, because that is what God designed to address it. Yeah, the, our sin is great, but God's grace is greater. Our sin is great, but the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ is greater. And that's a look back that, you know what, um, we all need to, to do when we're like, I just don't know. God, I don't know if you, you're going to take care of this. I know I look at this reservoir. If you can't look at the reservoir, you can't remember what God's done for you in the past, we can look back to the cross. I don't think you can get a more power. It's way more powerful than your reservoir even. It's the greatest thing in that reservoir because Jesus Christ died for your sins to redeem you from your sins and there's nothing, nothing that can separate you if you'll confess, if you'll repent, just like David does here in verses 12 and 13. He says here, be pleased, O Lord, verse 13, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Hurry to help me, God. I want you to be pleased to deliver me. That's where God is. He's not like a begrudging God up there. It's like, mm. I mean, I know that's how you and I sometimes dispense grace and mercy. It's not how God does. No, he's free with it. If, if we do it his way, if we confess and we repent, he's free with it. He is pleased. We talked about that in Isaiah 53 on Sunday. 
That it was God's plan and purpose to offer Christ. From the, before the foundation of the world in Isaiah 53, it says it pleased God to bruise him. God's pleased to offer you grace. So David's praying for what God's already promised here again. Then his enemies, because he's got enemies. David needed God's great grace to save him from his iniquities, but also from his enemies. Verse 14, let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and be put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that's saying to me, aha, aha. That was rough back then, all right? I know to us it probably sounds a little silly. Like that was an insult. But I mean, it was mocking. It was saying God's not there for you to David. David had enemies, didn't he? Think of them. Who were David's enemies? Goliath. All right, we already talked about that. There was a lot more than that, right? What about Saul? What's that? Father-in-law? Yeah, eventually. Doeg, even one of his wives, Michael, was Saul's daughter. There were times when she wasn't exactly a friend to him. A lot of enemies. Um, Absalom. That's a painful one, isn't it? Your son betraying you, your daughter, your spouse. Did David have enemies? Did David know pain? Did David need God's salvation from his enemies? I mean, some of these, almost all of these ones we've mentioned were trying to kill him. I mean, it was that kind of enemy, and the list goes on. And you might like, well, I don't have those kind of enemies, right? Praise the Lord. But do you have enemies? We do. Self. That's my biggest one. Satan. Satan's subcontractors. No personal testimonies of who they are. But we have enemies? Yeah, we've got enemies. We do. The list goes on for us, too. Here's the thing. If God could deliver David, and if God did deliver David from all of those enemies, if we look back in the pages of Scripture, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and see how God worked for David when David had faith, if God's grace was greater than David's sin and David's enemies, can he also handle yours? Yeah, that's why this look back is so important. He can and, and he will. And that's the what God's promised fact, right? These are the facts. These are the facts that help us move from fear to faith, who God is and what God's done and what God's promised. And so when we have days of doubt, we remind ourselves of who God is. Yeah, we look back. The, it is really helpful to look back at that lake in your own life, that reservoir in your own life. But when you can't, you turn to God's word and you see, oh, this is who you are. This is who you are and this is what you've done and you're not going to change and this is what you've promised and I can count on your totally reliable God. When I can't make self-identification to what God's done for me in the past, when I can't make self-application, that's uh, when I'm reinforced, reinforced by the many works of God that have happened in Scripture. That's why I need brothers and sisters to tell me, yeah, God's done it before. He can do it again. That's when you need brothers and sisters in Christ to have public praise and say, God's done it before. This is who he is. This is who he's promised to be for you. And that's what verses 16 and 17 are all about. He says, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually the Lord be magnified. Man, that's what we're here for on planet earth. You ever wonder, like, why are, what is the reason for human existence? We've been wondering that as long as there's been humans. Here it is to magnify God. Just like a telescope. We take something that's really big, but we can't understand it very well. And we help people understand it. We, that's what God's word does. It helps us understand an immensely big God. 
That's what his church is supposed to do. Go out in the world and help people who can't understand because he's so big. Help, him, help them understand God. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to magnify God. And that's what we do in church. We should be doing in church. That's what we should be doing as his church. Showing people the greatness of God. Showing, the pe- showing people that God's grace is greater than their sin or their problems or their enemies. To those who've never even heard about it. And to Christians who have, who once relied upon it. Who, um, who once relied upon it for their eternal salvation. But right now in their life, they're wondering if that same grace, that same great grace is able to handle their temporal suffering. They're wondering if that same great grace that they rely upon for their eternal salvation, can it handle Thursday? This is what God's word tells us to do. Look back. Yeah, it can. Look to the cross, what you base your eternal salvation on. He can handle tomorrow. And you look out and you see him working in your life, in your life. And we give testimony of him working in our lives. Psalm 40 reminds us that, yeah, yeah, God's grace can do that. So we need to bookmark this one. We do. We need to use this as a resource and say, God, please keep me poor and needy. Verse 17, but I am poor and needy. This is the, that's faith. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about financial status. He's saying, I'm poor and needy. I'm dependent on you. It's, it's just a reiteration of verse one. I did wait patiently. I'm going to continue to trust you and have faith and wait patiently. Yet the Lord thinketh on me. And if you're going to highlight anything, Highlight that. The Lord thinketh on me. Look, we're living in a time when you're probably going to have to claim that because you're wondering, there's chaos all around. Is God even in control? And we can climb back here to Psalm 40, verse 17 and go, yeah, he's totally in control. I've seen him work. And, and you know what? He, he's thinking about me. Isn't that kind of crazy? A God who's created this entire universe, the one who's sustaining it, by the word of his power. Like right now, he's keeping atoms and molecules and cells together in your body. He thinks about you. That's what it says right here. He's our help. He's our deliverer. He's how we leave fear and live in faith. We're going to sing a couple songs just about that. Let's never forget God's grace. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And... Uh, If you have sin that's great, guilt that's great, give it to him tonight. <laughs> Relinquish that to his grace. If you've got enemies that are great, give it to him tonight. His grace is greater.